0: What's up, everybody? Anthony Kazenza here with the Orange and Black Insider and CincyJungle.com. Hopefully, you all had a good weekend. I guess I could still say that, right? Because it's Tuesday, and yeah, we're we're, going to go with that. Hopefully, you all had a good weekend, of course, enjoying the Bengals continuing to savor the Bengals' Thursday night win over the Miami Dolphins, albeit obviously some scary stuff in that game, but the Bengals are 2-2. Two two. They're back in the mix. And then, oh, by the way, the AFC North, the rest of the AFC North, decided to have another off week. Happened in week two, where the Bengals really could have made some some nice headway with a win over the Cowboys. They did not. But happened again in week four, wherein the Bengals were the only team in the in the division to win, and it some other teams really helped them out. It, it was... Not the greatest, uh, not the greatest day, uh, for for teams in the AFC North to have leads, to hang on to leads, and all of that. Again, I'm Anthony Cazenza. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Uh, We've had a lot going on and hopefully you've enjoyed all the things that our channel is providing for you. The Cincy Jungle Podcast channel that can be found on your favorite audio streamer, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of the major ones. We are there. That includes this show, Talking Football with Bengal Jim and Friends, which airs later tonight. Uh, The live show airs later tonight. So definitely want to go check that out. And then, of course, Coach Speak and Chalk Talk with the coach. Matt Minnick, and then our show. We're we're bringing you a handful of episodes from our show. So trying to get you stuff throughout almost every day of the week. Hopefully you are enjoying it. And, of course, if you like different things, you got to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Click right down there in the sunshine. You can click on that, uh, the icon right down there. And subscribe as well as hit the bell to be notified when we go live and when new content is available. Like I said, we've been bringing you a lot of different stuff. Hopefully you've been enjoying it. All right, we're going to get to uh hey rio thank you for the nice compliment here uh respect to you i appreciate it um and brian hey you know what that's okay second second place is still good my friend don't worry about it glad to have you here as we go through the headlines um we're going to talk about a, a couple of different things here um i guess i can answer a couple of questions here since you guys Guys and gals are sending me questions. I you know, we have a listener questions episode that we get to these, but that's okay. Michael Cope on Facebook says, What are your thoughts on Hearst, the first four games? I have a little bit of a diametric diametrically opposite view of you know, kind of a yin and yang. I think when he's been called upon, he's been great. Unfortunately, he has not been called upon a lot. So uh, you know, that it's kind of hard to give a true grade. It was nice to see him get in the end zone and have that game-clinching touchdown catch last week. I thought that play design was very well done as he was able to basically walk into the end zone with the football. So that was one of the, you know, one of the bright spots in terms of play, call, and execution uh from last week. But, you know, again, he's going to be down the pecking order with the top three wideouts and all those guys making plays. And then, of course, mixing out of the backfield and whatnot. The one thing that, you know, I think he does, he while he maybe provides potentially a little bit extra um, in terms of pass catching ability over CJ Ozama, that could be debated. Um I think they asked CJ Ozama to, to, to block a little bit more, to chip a little bit more. And um, I, I don't know that they're asking Hurst to do that as much and, or if he is as apt at uh, adept at doing that as, as Uzama was. So at any rate um I, I've been impressed with him and I think he's a guy that He's on a one-year deal. I think the Bengals should hang on to him. Uh, That is just a little bit of my take on it. Um, So here we are now. Again, the Bengals are 2-2. and They're still kind of finding their way, and I think Michael brings up a good point. That's one of the players still kind of finding his niche in the offense. The offensive line still trying to find their way uh, all the way. And then, of course, You've got Joe Mixon trying to get back on track after the track on after the stellar season last year. So there's a lot of things at play here. A lot of different things that the Bengals are trying to work on. I still can't figure out this team for the most part because coming off of being AFC champs, respectable, right? You you got you got all that, but then you also have a team that's two and two that's lost to. Backup Cooper Rush and lost to the Steelers, who are 1-3, and three and now, oh, by the way, have made a quarterback change. We'll talk about that. It's shocking, absolutely shocking news, a shocking revelation out of Pittsburgh. Uh, um, but – and then you get the nice win against the Dolphins, who were undefeated, but then Tua leaves that game, and you're facing another backup quarterback for half uh, half of that contest. Um you know you have third week you got backup Joe Flacco but again you can only beat who the schedule puts in front of you right so it's again this week coming up is going to tell us a lot primetime game Baltimore the Ravens are two and two they're hungry they're coming off a bad loss so uh, you know this is this is a big week coming up here no doubt Let's hey Sean from the UK. What's going on, Sean? Good to good to be with you, and good to be with all of you tuning in live. And if you didn't hang out with us live, that's okay. We miss you, but you can always join us live. Sometimes we surprise you as to when we go live. What happened in headlines, and that's because my schedule is wacky. But uh, you kind of know the standard of Wednesday night. You kind of know that we're going to bring you uh, a preview from. Uh, we're gonna try and get someone from the raven side this week to, to talk about some things we're, we're finalizing scheduling that and then of course you know we kind of do listener questions and other things throughout the week on friday so um I, I i know sometimes we surprise you we go hey we're going live by the way but hey try to join us live if you can and uh we'll we'll get going by the way if you are so inclined if and feeling generous please 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 go to gisongo.com and Pollock Family Foundation, or leave a YouTube super chat here, and we'll donate to the Pollock Family Foundation. They do a lot of good stuff for families in the Georgia Atlanta area, and then of course they are branching nationally as well to do a lot of different things. Um, they work with you know Children's Hospital of Atlanta, and you know just kind of at-risk families and whatnot. So um, we're we're going to support that, and we there's going to be some news in this episode where there's might be another charity down the road we might start supporting as well. So um we'll we'll talk about that all right let's go to um hey i like this randy thank you for putting me on blast here the reverse can be said about winning against backup quarterbacks good comment here we lost against a backup quarterback in dallas there's validation in their wins maybe more than you're suggesting maybe dallas is a hard team to figure out because i kind of thought that team was going to totally regress losing amari cooper and just i i just didn't find them to be overly uh, an overly daunting opponent, but here they are winning games and winning them with Cooper Rush. Maybe Cooper Rush is a lot better than I or others think. Um, Obviously he's winning games. So I mean, uh, but the, the point is you've got now got four games. The Bengals are two and two. They played against Mitchell Drubisky, who is a fringe starter and now has been benched. We'll talk about that. Cooper Rush backup quarterback in relief of Dak Prescott. Joe Flacco in relief of Zach Wilson and Teddy Tua slash Teddy. Teddy came in after Tua had that scary injury on Thursday night. And you go, so so you have to at least have the conversation of, you know, do you just beat who you who's in front of you and you just take the wins as they come and doesn't matter, you know, how pretty or not they are, or do you worry a little bit as defending AFC champs that you had trouble? with Mitch Trubisky and the Steelers, who are 1-3 and three and really struggling. You had trouble beating a Dallas team just after they lost Dak Prescott, You know, and you kind of felt like that was a game you should have had too. You weren't moving the ball well. Worth a discussion. All right, let's get going, though. We've got a lot of stuff to get to, and we haven't done one of these for a little bit, so we're going to talk about it. We're going to close up shop with the Dolphins talk and then move on into Ravens, then AFC North, than the rest of the NFL, as we usually do. Here are the snap counts for the Cincinnati Bengals in case you have missed it from last Thursday. Each team ran 64 plays. Uh, And then, of course, no DJ Reader this week. He is probably going to be gone over the next handful of weeks. This next game against the Baltimore Ravens, this next one where they like to run the ball, they like to use their quarterback to run the ball. DJ Reader will be missed this week. To what extent? I don't know. But uh, you know this is this is a, not a great game to not have DJ Reader. He was a big key to you know kind of handling things last year against these two, and I don't uh, you know I, the Bengals better figure some stuff out in terms of making it work. Ted Karras, of course, uh, played all one all one hundred percent of snaps. By the way, go to the Bengals Twitter account, go to their social media and whatnot. To go tune in, Ted Karras is mic'd up this week. He is quickly, quickly becoming a favorite player of a lot of people because of his enthusiasm, his approach to the game, and he seems to love it in Cincinnati and love what they are doing, so you can tell why they went out and signed this guy, and he's been really the steadiest player on their offensive line throughout the entire year, so kudos to him. Awoozier and Apple, 100% of snaps for both of those guys. Really a good night from both of them. Eli Apple, I think it was uh, targeted. He was the corner targeted twice. Maybe allowed a lot of reception for seven yards to Tyreek Hill. I think was the last count, at least by Ben Baby from ESPN. So, um, you know, Wuzier had good coverage, did let up a big play to Tyreek Hill. It was a bobble. It had to be an incredible catch for that to work out. But uh, Woozie also playing 100% of the snaps. Mike Hilton playing 86%. He had a really active night. Trey Flowers uh, only out there for 12%. Um, Hubbard, 88% of the snaps, 56%. Hendrickson, 53%. Osai out there a little bit more and more each week. 20, 20 snaps for him. Sample, 12 snaps. BJ Hill playing a lot, as did Josh Tupo getting essentially a lot of those reader snaps. 41 of them for Tupo. Carter getting in there in the mix as well. 24 snaps for him. Of course, the other lineman, 100%. Logan Wilson played every single snap on defense this week, and he was everywhere, everywhere. Uh, did misread one run late in the game, but other than that, I mean, he was he was playing well. Pratt out there for 40, 42 of the snaps. Davis Gaither, 11. Uh, you see here. This is, this is interesting here when you look at the running backs. 53 snaps for Mixon, just 12 for P. Ryan. after P. Ryan had that nice game-closing drive against the Jets there. Only 19% for him. And then, of course, just three snaps on offense for Chris Evans, just not getting out on the field. Uh, you see 100% of snaps from a lot of different players. The two tackles, Jonah and Lael, and then both safeties. Jesse Bates and Von Bell both getting 100% of the snaps there. Hayden Hurst, we just talked about him, 36 snaps on on offense, only 56. So he was not out there a ton. And Mitchell Wilcox getting a lot of looks, 32 snaps for him on offense. And then we got our first look at Devin Osiasi, who was out there, 16 snaps on offense. And then, of course, wide receivers getting a lot of different snaps. Chase getting almost basically missing only four plays on offense. Higgins and Boyd uh, in the 70 percentage range, 72 for Boyd, 77 for Higgins. So that is kind of your snap distribution this week, giving you a look at kind of how things were playing out for the Bengals there. Okay. We just talked about the run game. We talked about questions there. We talked about it for sure last Friday um after the in the aftermath where we did listener questions and of course a little breakdown I don't want to call post-game breakdown because it wasn't truly right post-game but it was it was after the game it was a a wrap-up if you will uh there is a, a little bit of a uh I don't know closed door meeting or just some some things being ironed out between Joe Mixon and the offensive line we so look We talked about one of the things we talked about is, okay. this offensive line, of course, is going to help Joe Burrow a lot in terms of potentially limiting the hits, limiting the sacks. That was not the case the first two weeks. It has been a lot better. But the game plan has changed the past two weeks as well, which has been get the ball out quickly. Get, you know, take kind of the underneath yards after catch stuff and then set up the big play. when you got the man coverage, the single high safety or safeties bracketing to one side. then then you set up the big play. Uh, But for some reason, even even with the Tampa 2 and all kinds of different looks, the Bengals are not being able to run the ball with a lot of success. And there are a myriad of factors. I think it's a combination of bad blocking at times up front, a combination of Joe Mixon not maybe hitting the right hole or the right read at times, and uh, just playing against some pretty good defenses in general, defensive lines, defenses in general. So kind of a combination, a perfect storm of of stuff, if you will. Now, the Ravens are, uh, I haven't looked at their run defense. They are still giving up over 300 yards passing per game, which bodes well for Joe Burrow, who threw about a a, a 1,000 yards against them in two games last year. So that bodes well there. But we'll have to see what the Bengals do in the run game here. But as you see here on cincyjungle.com, I should probably be pinning these for you guys as I usually do. I apologize. Let me pin that article in case you haven't had the chance to read it. And hey, I'll go full screen. I'll blur my. I'll let let the story overtake my ugly mug so you guys can see this here. But Joe Mixon meets with offensive line amid slow start to the season. This is from Aaron Gershon on Cincy Jungle, and you can see here the report. Uh, is in a recent press conference from Mixon, quote, I called for a meeting with them just to see what they're thinking on certain runs or what they think I should do on certain runs. Here's the thing. New offensive line, we thought not only would Burrow be the benefactor, as I said, but also Mixon, who's coming off his best year of his career, he should, you know, we kind of thought, well, hey, he's still in the prime of his career. He's going to, this is a guy who's going to have a huge year. Well, it has not been the case, but that can be, chalked up to also just having four new people on this line and him not playing with these four guys ever. Uh, And so, you know, there, there's not, it's a whole thing with continuity, not only along the offensive line itself, but along Joe Mixon with Joe Mixon and the running backs going and jiving with the offensive line too. But I called for them. This is the quote I called for meeting with them just to see what they're thinking on certain runs or what they think I should do on certain runs, just building that chemistry and having them see what I'm seeing on certain blocks or if they could just torque a guy a different way or if they can just cut somebody off backside or if I could just hit the hole a little faster or hit backside. It's just little things we've seen over the course of time. Like I said, I'm very optimistic. I haven't lost confidence in the run game and what I'm capable of and what I know they're capable of. There, of course, referencing the offensive line you can see here thank you Aaron for doing the homework for me 15th ranked run defense right down the middle of the road for the Baltimore Ravens in uh in the run defense so this and that's this is encouraging number one it shows uh, Joe Mixon is a captain and that shows kind of captain-esque behavior um but you can also see that when, when these missed runs or these plays that just, you know, maybe it's a three-yard game, you see maybe he gets tripped up right away. It, it's one little, it's just a hair away, it feels like. And having these conversations between Mixon and the offensive line really, um, you know, really puts things potentially back into, uh, into focus and, and really puts things into a situation where some of these plays may start to develop here as they talk it out, as they talk about strategy and where things should be, where, where I'm expecting you to be, that sort of thing. You know, that conversation where I'm expecting you to be, whether it's from mixing talking to the offensive line or vice versa, that's, that's a valuable piece of communication that needs to be given back and forth between both of those sides. And it sounds like it's being done. So hopefully that breeds more consistency in the run game going forward. Do you think they will use an extra tight end or offensive line for the run against the Ravens? Great question from Matthew. Yes. Now here's why. Number one, we've seen a bit of Hakeem Adeniji out there on, on the old Dennis Roland tackle eligible. Place. He's been out there in a few games uh, doing that in, in you know, kind of the jumbo package there. But now the Bengals, as I mentioned with the snap count, the Bengals have Devin Asiasi back healthy. So they have another tight end body out there. Um, now, you know, they can pick and choose who they want to block and all of that. But the bottom line is they were pretty thin and we'll talk about that in just a second at tight end in terms of, uh, you know, injuries and and all of that. So uh, that is, I think you'll see a bit more to maybe get things going and then maybe that hopefully opens things up for a player like Hurst in a play action situation or what have you. But, um, that, that being said, I think, you know, the Bengals are still trying to adjust and find different things that they, they do well, but I I do expect that they will, uh, give some different looks here. And now just quickly on this one, as I mentioned with the tight end group, uh, we've now got drew sample hitting, uh, injured reserve. Um, He's going to be out for the foreseeable future. The Bengals were kind of taking precautionary stuff with them. And uh, on Monday, they announced that he's going to have to remain on on IR for the next four games at least. So he's got a right knee injury. Um, Unfortunately, just has not been able to um, get, get healthy there. So that is something that is not good news for the Bengals, but they lose Sample and they get back Osiasi, so they're, they're a little bit of a shell game, so to speak, a little bit, and so that is something to monitor for sure. There, but uh, Drew Sample on IR and will be out for at least four games. He had the training camp injury as well, so um, unfortunately, just has not been staying healthy there.
1: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. And get your child's assessment for only $29. That's SYLVAN29.com.
0: Now, this, whether you think it's coach speak or whether you you are taking these pieces, the Aussie Aussie return, a little bit of improvement on the offensive line the past couple of weeks, and the conversations between Joe Mixon and his offensive line, this may turn into. Something here with Joe Mixon and uh, this, the the Bengals and Zach Taylor says he sees the running game improving as carries for Joe Mixon pile up. And you see here, my colleague John Sheeran, the Rock will continue to be pounded. Um, that's the subheader there. So you see here, uh, it, he when he asked about the rushing offense, Zach Taylor curiously said, "Quote improving." And he continued on. I like where our guys are at. They're becoming in sync. They're on the same page. It's just sometimes we're one block away. What we just talked about. Or again, kind of, you know, where are you? Where am I expecting you to be? Where are you going to be? That sort of thing. Sometimes it could be a guy that we can't get to at receiver because of his location. Sometimes it can be at right tackle, left tackle. It's just kind of a different thing. Each play as we run right, run left, run the different schemes. So, um... Zach Taylor is optimistic on the run game going forward here. And then, of course, he said, just like we talked about the first two weeks of the season, I'm not going to overthink it and trust those guys that we're coming along and that we've got a good chance to be really good there in the run game. Again, this you also have to go back to nobody played in the preseason. None of the offensive lineman played in the preseason. Joe Mixon didn't play in the preseason. Joe Burrow didn't play in the preseason games. I know it saves them. I know it, it it prevents injury, and that's all well and good. But sometimes that can lead to slow starts. That can lead to a lack of cohesion between not only each of the line mates with each other, but run running backs and offensive linemen. And so that's something unfortunately we have to take into account. Zach Taylor has preached patience, especially at 0-2. And, and now the Bengals are two and two. And he's kind of starting to nicely and politely as he always always remains nice and polite. Uh, I told he kind of tells everybody I told you so. And this is kind of what he's saying here as well. Just hang on. Hang on. Uh, and we'll see. We'll see if he's if he's correct in that. But that is for now the approach the Bengals are taking, and they are looking at it as, hey, we're, we're about to turn the corner here, so to speak, in the run game. Let's keep going with some other pieces of info. This is from NFL.com. Adam Schein, who has not been shy of his previous Mm, uh, criticisms of the Bengals, I guess. Uh, he was not an Andy Dalton fan. Let's just kind of put it that way. So even when the Bengals were pretty good in the Andy Dalton era, Adam Shine did not think uh, the Bengals were really ever too for real. And now you got this really interesting article that he's put together here. Really, uh, I don't know if you would call it controversial, but, you know, definitely an entertaining read. NFL contenders or pretenders. Jaguars, Falcons in the playoff mix. Jets, Seahawks aren't postseason teams. He looks at the two and two teams in the NFL and he says, who's for real? Who is not? And you can see here, interesting stat here that he presents too. Two and two teams make the playoffs just 36.6% of the time. Still a lot better than one and three and oh and two and all that kind of stuff. I think at 0-2 is what, 10%, 12%? Uh, we, we had said so. 2-2 two and two teams make it 36.6%, still far below half the time. But, again, this, the 17-game season is also something to uh, keep in mind as you go through this thing. But you go here, contenders. Look who he has as the top contender, not pretender, at 2-2, two and two, the Cincinnati Bengals. You have to jog the mental Rolodex to recall the random factor that buried Cincinnati in the week one loss to Pittsburgh. Do you remember what it was? Injury to the long snapper. Joe Burrow could have played much better. You don't win many games when your quarterback turns the ball over five times. But snapping snafus late in regulation and overtime doomed a pair of would-be game-winning kicks for the Bengals. That's a tough way to go down um, since he lost the gun at week two. I still take and there's a whole bunch in here too i still take the Bengals over the ravens browns and steelers in the afc north and still have the reigning afc champs as a team that can make serious noise once again in january then he goes through the other teams as well he's got the bucks he's got the jaguars and contenders by the way and he also has the ravens there at number four so uh, take all that for what you will, but you know one national NFL pundit is saying that the Bengals have the stuff to get past two to get through the AFC North and get into the playoffs and potentially through the playoffs once again this year. We'll see exactly if he's right or not, but let's keep moving on here. Just kind of some other aftermath nuggets before we get into the rest of the AFC North and the NFL. Two Jets players have been fined for hits made against the Bengals. And I cringe looking at that picture of T Higgins, by the way, for those looking at the video, Uh, man, he looked like he was in pretty big pain there. Uh, Obviously left the previous game concussed as well. So, you know, but at any rate, uh, two of them, two Jets were, uh, were fined here. Um, and you can see here, uh, Eli Apple, I think, had a um, an altercation with Corey Davis. Corey Davis was fined $10,609. Um, and then LaMarcus Joyner for the big hit against T. Higgins, I'm not even going to show that one, uh, was fined $14,000. $14,608. Uh, Cincinnati won. T. Higgins returned, thankfully. But, man, it was an ugly-looking hit on T. Higgins in this game. LaMarcus Joyner fined $14,608, and Eli Apple uh, involved in a scuffle with Corey Davis. Davis was fined over $10,000 for his part in that. The Cincinnati Bengals are also just racking up sponsors, racking up, putting out those naming rights for sale and all of that. This is on bangles.com, a bit of a press release here. So here's the article. I will give give that to you. The Cincinnati Bengals and Integrity Express Logistics announced naming rights partnership for the indoor practice facility. Can you believe it? Not only do the Bengals have an indoor practice facility, but they've got naming rights for it. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. And uh, you can see there, there's the practice facility right there with the IEL logo uh, right there. And it's located near Paycor Stadium. Recently renamed Paycor Stadium, it is highly visible from the Brent Spence Bridge and Clayway Bailey Bridge. Um, it's eighty thousand square feet and seventy nine feet tall to the peak. IEL is a family owned, non asset based third party logistics provider that was founded in two thousand seven. IEL is one of the largest and fastest growing private companies in Greater Cincinnati. Recently topping one billion dollars in annual revenue. Quote, this partnership with the Bengals is coming at an important time in our company's history, said Jay Kelly, who is the IEL's chief legal officer. IEL is proud to partner with one of Cincinnati's iconic brands that is extraordinary national reach. The IEL indoor facility will increase brand awareness, promote IEL's customer focused logistics solutions to a larger audience and allow IEL to continue to be a transportation service provider of choice throughout the United States. Katie Blackburn chimed in as well, quote, the Bengals are proud to announce this partnership with IEL as we get ready to open the IEL indoor facility in the near future. IEL is a strong local partner. This partnership continues to show the excitement around our franchise and the value of the Bengals brand in the community. We'd also like to thank JDL Warm Construction for their hard work in building the IEL indoor facility. So the Bengals given out naming rights IEL logistics company Has the indoor practice facility as its own, uh, so to speak, for the Bengals. So, cool. This is, as we kind of start wrapping up, Bengals-centric news, and we transition into the AFC North. This came across the news wire earlier on Tuesday. Very cool story. Joe Burrow, the Bengals' starting quarterback who just gets it. He's done a lot of different things to – bring awareness and done a lot of things to, uh, you know, uh, food, you know, families in need of food and whatnot. He's done a lot of different work in the community here. So the now unveil the Joe Burrow Foundation, they will provide resources and support to the underprivileged and underserved in Ohio and Louisiana, as well as address childhood mental health issues. Here's the quote from Joe Burrow himself. On the Joe Burrow Foundation, this is one that we will try and support down the road for sure. I believe that everyone has a responsibility to do good. This foundation allows me and my family to give back. So many of you made generous contributions to support food insecurity in Athens County, Ohio, following my 2019 Heisman Trophy speech. We will build on our efforts to tackle food insecurity by also finding ways to offer up support in greater Cincinnati, other parts of Ohio, Baton Rouge, and Louisiana my mom a lifetime educator experiences firsthand the effect of mental health issues on children and their families we want to make a difference here as well um and then of course his father Jimmy Burrow chimed in words can't express how proud we are of Joe and his many talents his commitment to improving the lives of those who are less fortunate is especially meaningful to our family his mother said as an elementary school teacher and principal I see kids grow and succeed every day I also recognize the stress and challenges that students and their families face. We are committed to bringing people and resources together to help make a difference. We hope you can join us along the way. Very, very cool. Obviously, more to come with that. And the childhood mental health issues is definitely something that is important and something that is a little bit of a different caveat. Uh, as opposed to what a lot of other foundations out there do, and of course, you know that centers around all kinds of different things, whether it be bullying, whether it be str- you know homework stress or pressures or athletic pressures, all that kind of stuff that come with you know uh, childhood stresses, and that is becoming more and more into focus and more and more of a priority to address going forward. Um, and, and there are a lot of reasons why for that. So kudos to the Burroughs, kudos to Joe Burrow. And you can go follow all kinds of different things on Twitter for the Joe Burrow Foundation. And I'm sure there, we have not gotten a, a lot of different direct ways to support that yet, but we will definitely disseminate that when we get that for sure. Very cool. Good on Joe Burrow. Let's move on to the AFC North and the team that the Bengals face this week. The Baltimore Ravens. We will start there a bad what's the what's the old chill we were just talking about children schooling and whatnot what's the old uh the old children's book no good very bad day that the you know horrible no good very bad day that's exactly what you could title the game or this sunday afternoon for the baltimore ravens against the buffalo bills man they are uh they're they're having problems they're having issues and. Uh, this was a game, I think at one point it was 20 to twenty to three late in the game that the, the Ravens had a lead. And then all of a sudden it just evaporated and a lot of finger pointing and a lot of issues. And one of the things that came up was Marcus Peters going at it with John Harbaugh. And this was late in the game here. We could play this. Uh, this is from Kevin Ostreicher here. Some sort of exchange. Now, this is a little vague because the camera cuts away and back and forth. But for those watching, this is on Twitter here, and you can see here there's a little bit of yelling from Harbaugh as Peters comes off the field. Peters kind of goes at at Adam and has to be restrained there. And, of course, this is for – that was lining up for the winning field goal there for Buffalo. Yikes. And you can see here Jeff Zrebiek, uh, who covers the Baltimore Ravens. Marcus Peters is screaming in frustration as he leaves the field. Peters is trying to get in Harbaugh's face, and they just got separated and he threw his helmet. Ooh. Here's the article, complete with embedded tweets on CincyJungle.com. And again, this now puts this game between the Bengals and the Ravens in direct focus. Not a good look for Marcus Peters, not a good look for John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh, one of the most respected head coaches in the league for all the things he's achieved in the Ravens. But you also look at, you know, he's been there same place a long time. And you know, you've got the quarterback that has not been re-signed long-term and then you've got this kind of situation and peters has been a guy who's been a talented guy has had some injuries and all kinds of stuff so uh, obviously a guy they didn't have last year that they were counting on in peters so uh just not a good look there for the baltimore ravens and then uh a little bit of good news for them though um Harbaugh does say, and this is on Baltimore beatdown, the SB Nation Baltimore Ravens site here. And I will pin that. Uh, Gus Edwards is to resume practicing, a guy who they lost last year uh, amid a ton of running back injuries. Tyus Bowser's availability is, quote, in his court. Um, and so uh, Gus Edwards was on the pup list because of the knee injury he suffered there, but he will begin practicing. And uh, he's definitely kind of their north-south, more physical runner here. And uh, so definitely the Ravens are excited to get Gus Edwards potentially back practicing, and we'll see when he returns to action there. So a couple of interesting elements of news coming out of the Baltimore Ravens camp as the Bengals get set to face them on Sunday Night Football. Now on to the Steelers. Mike Tomlin is sticking with Kenny Pickett, who entered the game against the Jets. Uh, They are sticking with Kenny Pickett as the starter. I said when we were talking about the schedule and all kinds of previewing the, the season and all that kind of stuff, that there is a distinct possibility that the Bengals would face two different Steelers quarterbacks this year. And one of them being Kenny Pickett and one of them being Mitchell Trubisky. You don't, we all thought the Steelers were not going to be very good, even though yes, they beat the Bengals. We just talked about a major reason why, but 1 and 3 you're not a very good football team and quite honestly a lot of the film that you've put out there has not been that great. You've got a first round quarterback waiting in the wings, they're going to play him. I mean, their 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 starting quarterback wasn't playing all that well, so they're going to play him. And so here is the quote from Mike Tomlin, "Kenny will start this week. We made the change. Obviously Mitch's performance was a component of the decision, but not the only component of the decision. I just want to be really clear there. Oftentimes the quarterback position gets too much credit, too much blame. We haven't moved the ball fluidly enough to our liking. We haven't put enough points on the board. The quarterback is a component of that, but not the only component. So, um, that is a little bit, Of what's going on here we've got to absorb all the responsibility for what we haven't done particularly in that phase including myself and starting with myself when you make a quarterback change you're really sensitive to that component of it because i don't want to dump the responsibility of what transpired at mitch's feet that's not fair to him um so kind of calling a myriad of factors as to why there was a you know a a change being made there So um, regardless, it seems as it's going to be Kenny Pickett's job until the foreseeable future. They host uh, or they are playing the bills and um, they are 14 point underdogs at this point are the Steelers this week. So uh, as we said here earlier in the week, (laughs) that's big, big disparity. This is from behind the steel curtain, the SB nation Steelers website here. They continue to shuffle their practice squad, sign a center, and a safety. So you can see there. Who are these folks, you ask? They have a re-signed center Ryan McCollum and safety Scott Nelson, uh, and they released punter Jordan Berry and wide receiver Jakari Robertson. So kind of doing a little bit of a mix and match here going, going around here. And of course, McCollum, who he was released when the team brought Barry back prior to week Four's insurance with Presley Harvin dealing with hip inflammation. And then, uh, you know, of course you've got a lot of issues at the safety position, bringing in Nelson makes sense to them. Mika Fitzpatrick has a knee issue. Edmonds is dealing with a concussion, Um, you know, all kinds of stuff. And then of course, uh, they've got another another safety of theirs on um, IR right now, so they're you know they're trying to make moves and bring in insurance policies and whatnot. So that is kind of some of the latest with the Steelers. Let's go to the Browns. We will get to the NFL, and then we will get out of here. Uh, some updates on Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney are expected Wednesday. Um, obviously, get a better idea of things with players middle of the week, but um, they were questionable going into last weekend and did not practice all week. Uh, Garrett was ruled out Saturday morning and Clowney was inactive as well uh, by the time the game started. So they definitely are big factors, particularly Garrett. Um, And so, Chase Winovich is on injured reserve as well. They just had some issues on that on that defensive line this week. So, um, And then, of course, the quote from Stefanski says, I think we need to get to Wednesday, kind of take in information as we go to see how these guys feel and see how they look. Until we get to Wednesday, I think it's probably premature. So uh, they've got the Chargers that they are set to host this week, so they would love to have one, if not both of those guys, back in the fold and healthy, of course miles garrett and jadavian Clowney, and then the browns also placed running back jerome ford on injured reserve they signed sam kamara a defensive end of the practice squad and released curtis weaver a guy who was uh, a mock draft favorite of to of Bengals fans a couple of years ago there curtis weaver defensive end a guy that just uh, his name floated around quite a bit with the Bengals, but browns placed jerome ford on injured reserve um so he had an ankle injury, uh, and then of course he was kind of their their kickoff guy as well. Twenty-four point two yards per kickoff return, not too shabby on kickoffs there. Along with forty-four, sustained an ankle injury in the Atlanta game, so we'll see exactly how how far it is the quote here. Um, Actually, there is no quote. It's just talking about any player going on an in injured reserve at this point with a major injury is allowed to return after missing four games. We know that at this point. So, anyway, Jerome Ford uh, back. It doesn't sound like he, as of now, it doesn't sound like that may be a true season ender, but we'll, we'll find out more going forward. All right, let's go to the NFL side of things, and then we will get out of here. Some more on the Tua stuff here. To Atago Vailoa to speak with reps from NFL, NFLPA joint concussion investigation on Tuesday. There's the link for that there in the Facebook and YouTube chats. And uh, essentially, Tom Pelissero from the NFL Network noted that the joint investigation will conclude within the week. The NFL has said the findings of the investigation will be released publicly. Essentially, it's talking about was he misdiagnosed in the Bills game? Did he enter back into that game too early? Did he get cleared too early to play against the Bengals? And that scary, scary sight of Tua getting tackled by Josh Tupo and uh, kind of hands uh, frozen and wrenched there a little bit. Uh, really scary sight. Um, and then, of course, you heard that the you know Mike McDaniel said – He had suffered a lower back injury against the Bills. And, you know, uh, this is just kind of a mess of a situation. And unfortunately caught in the middle of it is Tua, who has, um, you know, essentially seemingly sustained two concussions in a matter of like five days, uh, which is super scary. And then, of course, he is ruled out for the week five game against the Jets. um, And so we'll have to hear what comes of this. And obviously, if there is some finding of the Dolphins doing something here uh, that is not up to not up to snuff, we're going to have to they're going to probably be punished by the league or, you know, something severely because they want to send a message to other teams that this will not be tolerated. And of course, the biggest thing needs to be thinking about Tua and his health for sure. Uh, So here's the link there. I, I think that should be on yeah, there it is in the live chats for you. Okay, now these are from CBS Sports here. NFL head coaches on the hot seat. Uh, Matt Rule and Ron Rivera are kind of topping the list here. Both of those teams are, I, I think, are um, have one win at this point right now. John Harbaugh, Ray, you know. Of course, the cool chaps, under fire but totally safe. Tomlin and Harbaugh are in that list there. Uh, Staley, interesting name here as well, given that the Chargers have had uh, – they had a scary one against Houston last week. And then, of course, the the loss to the Jaguars and whatnot, That's that's got to be looming out there given the expectations of that team and all the things that they did, not only in free agency, but Justin Herbert's growth, Dennis Allen at one and three, the lukewarm lads. These are funny. Funny names. Frank Reich with the Colts being one, two, and one. Nathaniel Hackett, boy, that's been pretty ugly, even though they're two and two. It's been a pretty ugly start for that team. Uh, the burnt rumps, that's funny. Matt Rule, Ron Rivera uh, over there is on the hottest seats here. So you can read more about this. Definitely a, a funny, <laughs> some funny uh monikers here from Cody Benjamin over at CBS Sports. Go check that out. I'll pin the link here for. Everybody to check out, too. And then we've got, of course, John Breach and his picks. And and John, the son of former Bengals kicker Jim. Here you go. Bengals upset the Ravens on Sunday night. He's already calling his shot here. Uh, Some funny stuff, and he's got all the picks that he's got here. He's usually pretty pretty accurate in these as well. Uh, Let me see if I can scroll down to get this one here. Uh, But basically, he kind of said – you know, talking about the Bengals' passing attack here. I'll I won't scroll the whole time here. I'll find it for you. But basically, uh, talking about the Bengals' passing attack and what what that could mean this week. I said earlier that you know the the Ravens' defense is giving up over 300 passing yards per game, and then he's kind of getting kind of. Cute with it here. The first possibility is that Joe Burrow throws for 700 yards and Cincinnati wins. Um, And then uh, he says here, the second possibility is that the Ravens would get a lead and let it up. (laughs) So uh, you can see here, Ravens build a gigantic lead and then squander it away. If you've watched any Ravens games over the past three weeks, then you already know the formula here. The Ravens will have a big lead at some point and then suffer a spectacular collapse that will almost make you feel Sorry for them. So he says, although I'm picking the Ravens, I will say that picking against them while they're playing at home in primetime is always a risk. Um, And so he's got the Bengals 34-31 over Baltimore in Baltimore going forward there. The Ravens are 14-1 in primetime home games. Woo. Wow. Uh, So that is, that's a big, that's a big number right there. Regardless, John Breach likes the Bengals in this one for a lot of different reasons. And then, of course, I don't think I've ever shared this source on this type of episode that I've been doing for years. People, I don't ever share People magazine, but there is a lot of reports that Giselle Bunchen has hired a divorce, divorce lawyer, as maybe has Tom Brady, and they are trying to figure out what to do. Oh boy, this Tom Brady thing, his return to football and everything has uh, caused a lot of strife on the home front, I guess. And his wife, he and his wife might be heading to uh, not so great times. I don't like sharing about personal things like that, but it is a major NFL headline. And so, hey, you've probably heard it already by now. And so that's what's going on in the Tom Brady Giselle world of things i'm anthony kazenza this has been the orange and or black insider bengals podcast part of the cincy jungle podcast network along with shows like talking football with bengal jim and friends our show the orange or black insider and coach speak and chalk talk with matt minnick so go subscribe to the cincy jungle podcast channel on your favorite audio streamer itunes stitcher spotify google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, radio all of them go give a thumbs up and like the cincy jungle facebook page and of course if you like what we do Go ahead and subscribe right down here. Click that and click the bell to be notified when new content is available, when we go live, all that kind of stuff. So you can get that. And, of course, you got to keep it to sinceyjungle.com for all your news, opinions, analysis, and everything. Appreciate all the support. A lot of live listeners. That's cool. Like that. Uh, join us live if, if and when you can. Otherwise, like I said, get it on your favorite platform afterwards and uh, enjoy that there. We'll be back with more this week for you. We look forward to talking with all of you and chatting it up with the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday night football big week ahead. That is for sure. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon.